Here we go. Welcome to the sound of the start of Championship and League Two playoff final weekend. We're sponsored by Betfair. And today's episode, a bit of a hybrid show, really. This is a mixture of, of normal Monday pod type output and the betting show as well. And we'll be previewing the Championship and League Two playoff finals. And at the end of each preview, we'll make a few betting picks as well. Therefore, this podcast is for over 18s only. We ask that everyone listening be gamble aware. And if you're thinking of placing a bet this weekend or any time, make sure you understand the risks that come with doing that. Never bet more than you can afford to lose. Never chase losses. I'm Ali Maxwell. I'm joined by George Ellick. I'm pretty giddy. As you can hear, George, how are you? I'm very good, mate. I just ate some Haribo straws, so I'm I'm buzzing off the back of that. Wow. Other sweets are available. We are heading to Wembley on Saturday and on Sunday. We weren't able to make the League One playoff final, sadly. Uh, a joyous day for Sunderland and their fans, but we will be there for these two. And it's been three years since we went to a playoff final in the flesh. There's nothing quite like it. No, I'm, I'm so excited. They're massive games. They're so important. And, you know, it does really feel like... Um, you know, when you're at certainly the, the Charlton um, promotion against Sunderland sticks in memory, it, it, unlike other games where, you know, there's significance and, you know, the, you see limbs after goals and stuff, the, the atmosphere about how this is basically seen as being a life-changing moment for these supporters is, is really felt in the air and, and I can't wait. I'm always fascinated by what it says about us our psyche that you quite rightly and I'm jealous of it focus on the positives focus on this being a life-changing event a joyous event for those that win and I much more so lean towards the feeling of despair the feeling of tragedy if you will when you don't win whenever the winning goal goes in whenever the final whistle blows of course there's a large part of me that enjoys looking at the celebrations but more strongly than that, for some reason, I always feel for those who've lost. I think that speaks to how caring I am compared to you. Um, <laughs> but either way, we cover, <laughs> we, we cover all bases between us. We can't wait for it. The review of the weekend, both games will come in one pod. The last pod of the season will be released on Sunday night. Uh, this is the penultimate pod of the season. We'll just touch on, on last week's betting picks ahead of the playoff final in League One, where, George, your joint biggest winner of the season, a 6-1 to one winner. Uh, which was Sunderland to Ooh. win both halves. Not bad, that, my friend. Two points as well, wasn't it, mate? Wasn't it a nap? Yes, it was. Very pleasing. Very, very pleasing. Give me 12 points. Very profitable. Uh, I heard a rumour I had a rumor that it had happened all season to Wickham. Yep. 48 games. That is a correct rumour. Uh, a listener was keen to let us know before the game. Not sure about that Sunderland to win both halves pick because uh, that hasn't happened to Wickham in 48 games this season. Ooh. Well. Variant sad is, isn't it, mate? That's noisy. A 48-game run. I'm not losing two halves in a row. If I'd known that, I'd have had more. First time for everything. Uh, it matched a Josh Sheehan anytime goalscorer pick from earlier in the campaign as your longest winner of the betting show Beautiful. season Last so paid, far. Wasn't it? Um, very good indeed. As for me, well, my nap was just Sunderland to win in 90 minutes, so that was a winner at 11 to 10. Um, but between us, we missed a couple as well. No penalty was awarded. No Jack Clark goal for you. Uh, my bet builder was just missing a, a Wickham goal to make it 2-1, uh, but Tafazoli didn't get a sniff there. So uh, a good week, I'd say. If we can match that with these two playoff final previews, we'll be pretty uh, pleased. But let's talk about the game in more general terms first. We'll start in the championship. It's very, very exciting. Huddersfield against Nottingham Forest. Uh, it feels quite nice to get third versus fourth from the league table, I think. There's there's a nice aspect to that. And George, I come to you first with the ma the manager narrative, which I think is, for me, the strongest thing here. You've got Cooper and Corboran. Corboran 
probably the manager that's outperformed pre-season expectations the most in the league. And Cooper, certainly the manager that's turned around a team's fortune in season the most by some distance. Depending on the outcome, one of these managers will finish the season undeniably with a 10 out of 10 score. And the other will probably have to make do with 9.5 out of 10. (laughs) I think maybe both get 10s anyway. I'd say, you know, we, we covered this on in the live show uh, for those who could make it to the live show um, and didn't see that it's been released on Monday. So you can go back and listen to it, but we covered our, our Huddersfield prediction um, as being probably the worst of our, of our predictions in the one to 24s. We had them getting relegated and they finished third. And my response to that was that I, you know, I stand by it. That is, that is not in any way a, a slight against Huddersfield that is you know you look at some of these predictions and you think god we got that wrong um or whatever I, I still maintain that looking at how Huddersfield um were last season how poorest they were defensively how little evidence there was to suggest that Carlos Corberan was going to be a very very good manager after his first season in charge and then a a, a summer of recruitment that Apart from a couple of, you know, obviously the the Levi Colwell signing uh, caught the eye immediately, but beyond that, apart from keeping hold of Lewis O'Brien, both in the summer and in January, there wasn't really much to get excited about there either. So, you know, you, you look at certain key players who made a massive impact. I don't think anyone necessarily could have predicted um, that Nichols would be pretty much the best keeper in the in the Championship, uh, given where he came from. I don't think anyone would have predicted for Danny Ward to have the most prolific season of his career to date um, at a time where it didn't really feel like his career was particularly progressing. Um, It's unbelievable what they've done. Uh, And they are, you know, it it reminds me a little bit of Morecambe last season where um, they they will get detractors um, and there will be an element where people just assume that they can't go on and go far. I know, Ali, you're not one of those people. But they they are totally and utterly down on merit. They have been one of the top four or five teams over the course of the season. And if anything, as the, as the season's gone on, they've improved rather than falling away. Um, and Corbran has played a big part. But unlike some of these stories where you feel like the manager has, has been um, the sole driving force about a run like this, to me, it just feels like it's an incredibly united effort between everybody with, with Corbran pulling the strings. But every single person involved to play their part. What do I like about this fixture? Well, loads of stuff. One nice thing is that they've already played each other three times this season. Obviously, twice in the league. Uh, one, uh, well, they've both won away from home. Forrest winning 2-0 at Huddersfield quite early on in the campaign, uh, where we saw one of Brennan Johnson's best individual moments of the season, I would suggest. A 60-yard run down the touchline, burning the young star Levi Colwell before crossing onto the head of Graben. Forest went 2-0 up just after half-time and Huddersfield, well, one of their big weaknesses is they are not very good at coming back once they go behind. They huffed and they puffed, but they didn't really um, get close to getting back into it and Forest won 2-0, but Huddersfield won at Forest. Um, really nice goal on the half-hour mark from Holmes, um, combining with Toffolo. Uh, and then Forest, to be fair, they're better at Huddersfield at chasing uh, once they go behind. They did put quite a lot of pressure on, but Huddersfield just about clung on. And last but not least, there was a really good FA Cup game. Um, in which Huddersfield took the lead at the city ground through a set-piece goal. Uh, Sinani popping it on the head of Lee six yards out, as they do so well. Then Surridge equalised for Forrest. And then Yates, who is another big threat from a set-piece, he scored from a Ghana set-play to make it 2-1. It was a cracking game, cracking cup tie, chances for both sides. They both went for it. Um, I think 
this game might look a little bit different to that because the pressure is a bit more on. Um, and I should mention as well, Huddersfield started around six players in that game that you wouldn't expect to start on Sunday. So it was a, a sort of partially rotated team for them. Um, but it's all set up pretty nicely, George. What, what would you say in terms of this game, watching it as a neutral, what are you most excited about, would you say? I mean, that's. I, I think there's an element where... Um, in terms of us going there, I'm very excited to see uh, Nottingham Forest live. I mean, I've seen Huddersfield in the playoff semi-final the other day, which is enjoyable, but there are certain star players, uh, certainly Brennan Johnson um, and Jed Spence and James Garner, you know, who I think a lot of Manchester United fans uh, are hoping is going to be a Manchester United centre midfielder next season, whether or not uh, I agree with that at the moment, probably not so much. Um, and then Keenan Davis as well. I think there's going to be a lot of star quality on the pitch. And it's interesting that there that you mentioned um, you know the, the the pressure and what's at stake here could play very much into what kind of a game this is going to turn out to be, and I, and I think that is right. And, and often, you know, you can often get caught out. And I think when we get to the League Two section here, um, often you can look at two teams. Do you think mm, is this going to be is this going to be the playoff final that really bucks the trend? Is this going to be the open four three, both teams throwing everything at it, and then you get there and and the nerves are palpable and it's very, very difficult for a game to unravel to that extent. Um, and I think that could be the case here. What's interesting is that an early goal would change things because I think both of these sides in an ideal world would look to get ahead and then drop in, defend a low block and look to hit the other team on the counter. That is where they are both very, very dangerous and very good. However, one team is going to have to take the onus and get on the ball early doors and both teams are also capable of doing that. You know, we saw um, Huddersfield dominate possession against Luton in the first leg uh, away from home. Uh, the game that sticks in my mind as being a really impressive moment where Steve Cooper really s switched up the way we normally see Forrest play was against Arsenal in the FA Cup, where they played a crazy high line and employed a massive high press. And I think the possession stats are up 50-50 and again, they ended up winning. And, and that kind of shows that they are both teams who can do it either way. So it's, in terms of the aesthetic of the match, I think it's all going to come down to game state, basically. It normally does in playoff finals, but even more so with two sides who, who can mix it up. I wouldn't say necessarily have a specific way of playing, even though um, certainly with the pace that Forest have up front, they are better off. And we saw them tear Sheffield United apart um, in the first leg on the counter as well. I think Carlos Corbran will be very, very keen to prevent that from being the case here. I think they'll be very keen to stop that being the way this game unfolds. But similarly, you know, they would have seen, uh, Carlos Corberan will know that Steve Cooper has seen Luton batter them in the first half uh, in the second leg by employing a high press and stopping them from playing. So there's a chance, I guess, Cooper could look at that and say, actually, hold on, maybe this is a game to switch it up and, and look to do that. Um, you know, th th when the scores are level, um, Forest aren't a team who look to, to drop off at all and I think we'll we'll see them engage Huddersfield for sure when the scores are level uh, I don't think it's going to be a case of them properly dropping in but I think it's a really interesting tactical battle for that reason and one key um, area of the pitch that I'm interested in is the fact that one of Huddersfield's most attacking players one of their key creators and recently key goal scorers is Harry Toffolo and then you've got Nottingham Forest who, and he plays left wing back and then you've got Nottingham Forest one of their key players one of their key attacking outlets who probably should have more goal goal involvements this season than he has done is Jed Spence so you're I think both managers will be very very reticent to put the shackles on either of those two players so it could end up being a case where both of those two 
are, are basically playing higher than each other, um, despite that, that that should be the matchup. And that could cause some absolute carnage down that right or left-hand side, depending on who you support. I love that because I was going to do a sprinkling of team news selection questions and a bit of matchup chat as well. Uh, for Forrest, it's pretty straightforward for Steve Cooper. He's had a core of 12, 13 players for some months now. And the only question in my eyes, is whether Keenan Davis is fit and sharp enough to start. And if so, Sam Sturridge would step out of the starting lineup, which would be really in spite of his very strong performances over the last few months, uh, while Davis has been out a few weeks, I should say. Davis is, is the better player in almost every facet, outside, I would say, of the, the knack for getting into areas. That seems to be Sturridge's probably strongest skill i would say he's a he is a good all-round player he can kind of mix it a bit he can run in behind as we've seen and stretch play Um, but i think ultimately what stands out about surridge is he seems to be on the end of chances good chances goal scoring opportunities big chances um and and that's been shown over the last few weeks when he's had a real run um but davis outside of that offers so much more um ball into feet sure carrying it sure um he's a bit of everything and and I think everyone knows my thoughts on him and how and how much I love him now sorry sorry you'd say should have more match sharpness but of course it's been what 10 days since the since the semi-finals lots of time for Davis to recover he had 20 minutes half an hour or so in the second leg um that's an area where I think Forrest have the advantage over Huddersfield I think Danny Ward is fit for Huddersfield and I expect him to start here with Rhodes coming uh, off the bench around the 70 minute mark and Rhodes has made some big contributions this season and Danny Ward has a huge role as well in this Huddersfield side but it looks on paper to be an area where Forrest have the advantage Davis and Surridge uh, and of course Brennan Johnson as well Uh, other than that everything feels fairly set in stone they've got the the EFL's box office goalkeeper Bryce Samber in goal He's already had a, a big say in these playoffs, uh, in the semi-finals, with that uh, star display in the penalty shootout. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he has some say in this game, uh, and I wouldn't want to guess whether it would be a positive or a negative one, to be honest, at this stage. I'm looking forward to it either way. Uh, the centre-backs will be Worrell, Steve Cook and, and uh, McKenna. The wing-backs, Spence and Colback. Uh, the midfielders, Yates and Garner, with Zinkenagel uh, in a sort of 10 role. Uh, and then Brennan Johnson and I think Keenan Davis probably starting up front with Saris to come off the bench after 70-odd. Huddersfield team selections may be a bit more interesting. Uh, Nichols in goal, the championship's best goalkeeper this season, in my opinion. Um, Tom Lees will play at centre-back for sure. Jonathan Hogg will likely play centre-back in the heart of a back three. Now, he only moved into the back three about six weeks ago, having barely ever played there before. So it's it's um, it speaks to Corbrand's tactical flexibility uh, and the skill of Hogg as well that he's managed to, to slot in and, uh, and, and contribute to what have been some excellent performances and results for Huddersfield over the last few weeks. Uh, and then Colwill uh, or Saar will play left centre-back, most likely, I think, Levi Colwill. The only reason you'd, you'd play Saar, I think, is if you were really concerned about a target man type. Um, and albeit Davis is, is strong and good in the air, he normally plays on the left side. Uh, whoever plays left centre-back for Huddersfield will have Brennan Johnson to think about. And I'd much rather, I think, have Levi Colwill uh, against him than, than Naby Saar. Wing-backs, most likely Pieper on the right side and Toffolo on the left. Uh, I don't see Sorba Thomas starting. Uh, which I think will be a, a, a disappointment for a lot of people who would have heard a lot about him this season. He hasn't started a game since coming off injured on the 18th of April. Uh, he got 29 minutes in the second leg, set up the winning goal from a set piece, obviously. Um, but I think Corbrand will go for the composure and control that Peeper offers um, in order to try and keep it level, as you've discussed, keep it tight um, for the most part. So I think Peeper initially with Thomas coming off the bench. Uh, John Russell 
who started the season as absolutely a Huddersfield B-team player and has developed and been given the opportunity uh, by Corbran, has become a key man, started every game over the last few weeks. And Lewis O'Brien, who's their star for me, the star man for Huddersfield, the, the left-sided central midfielder, um, just a brilliant, dynamic, all-round player. Uh, I think the attacking midfielders will be Dwayne Holmes and Daniel Sinani. Sinani's on loan from Norwich. Uh, he'll have the weight of the, the nation of Luxembourg on his shoulders here. <laughs> they'll be watching him closely. And Dwayne Holmes, of course, a very canny operator at this level. Uh, I, I think that McKenna and Steve Cook individually can be got at. I think if you can isolate one or both of those guys, they're not the most mobile. And I think if Huddersfield are to do that, it's down for me to Holmes and Sonani and their movement into the channels, um, just making a lot of different kinds of runs into different kinds of areas and, and being hard to track. Um, that's, I think, a big thing for Huddersfield. And then Ward, as mentioned, uh, looks okay. We'll, we'll probably start here with Rhodes coming after, after about 70 minutes. In terms of matchups, Colwell against Brennan Johnson's obviously exciting. Two of British football's biggest talents. Uh, as I mentioned, the last time or the first time this season they played against each other, Brennan absolutely burned Colwell down the outside uh, before setting up a chance for Graben, a goal for Graben. I think the midfield battle, O'Brien and Russell against Yates and Garner is really exciting. All of them good, interesting midfield players in their own way. O'Brien, all high speed, intensity, efficiency, good decision making, a really tidy player, but with with some pizzazz as well. John Russell, really easy on the eye. Tall, nonchalant, good ball player. Is prone to a lapse, I would say. I remember a playoff semi-final first leg, he tried a Cruyff turn, lost the ball in midfield in a dangerous area, but he's also a big set piece wreck because he's so tall. Yates for Forrest, local boy, local hero, built like a rugby player, um, big set piece wreck as well. Not the tallest, but throws himself at everything. A real all-rounder type. Um, probably of the four, the least comfortable on the ball, I'd say, but um, mostly keeps it simple. Huge work rate. And then Garner, you mentioned, the starlet on loan from Manchester United. Brilliant technically, very calm and confident on the ball. He probably lacks the physicality of the others, I guess, if you were to compare them all. Um, but between the four of them, we've got some really interesting players here. Uh, the wingbacks... Yeah, it's all about Toffolo and Spence, isn't it? That's the main event here. Um, two teams playing three at the back with wing-back systems. It's always the wing-back matchups that are the most interesting. Um, Colback and Peeper on the other side, that's kind of the undercard. I think both of those more focused on being tidy, on playing short, combining well with their midfielders rather than necessarily bombing on and whipping in crosses. Uh, so there we go. You mentioned two teams who are not extreme in a particular style. Uh, I agree with that. I think it makes it really interesting. Uh, I think like all the other playoff games, we're going to see both teams having little spells and it's all about those little spells, George. Mm. Uh, in a betting sense, have you got any picks for me? I've got a few. Um, I, kind of, as I mentioned there, think the, the interesting angle with Jed Spence um, down that right-hand side, he's 9-2 to two to either score or assist, which I quite like. Um I think he's got two goals this season and four assists. As anyone who watched our Sky segment on him uh, about four months ago would know, his uh, expected assists are way higher than his actual assists. You know, he's someone who is adept at putting the ball on the plate for players. They've just been missing the chances. And I think that given he's going to have the freedom of that right-hand side with Toffolo playing high, um, he's going to have a big part to play in the game. So that's one. Uh, I'm not... I'm, I basically agree with the prices. I think Forrest are the, are the better team. Oh, well... I think Forrest are more likely to win the game, um, but I'm not going to rush to bat them at uh, 11 to 10. But I am going to bat them at 7 to 2 minus 1. The thinking being here that if they get ahead uh, and Huddersfield have to throw men forward, they just have the tools to to extend their lead. Um, so it's not 
I'm not overly keen on it, I wouldn't necessarily say. Um, but I do think if you want to have a bet in the game for one of these teams to win or, or something like that, I think that is an interesting way to play it because pretty similar to what we saw with Sunderland um, last weekend and that winning tip. Just the team who are ahead, uh, given the way that these games can often fall, can be the, the more dangerous going forward. And then finally, um, Tom Lees to have a shot is 13 to 10. Um, he had a, he had one shot in each of the the um, first well the, the semi-finals against Luton. Uh, he is the main target for set pieces. You mentioned that Sorba Thomas um, likely won't start. I mean, he he very much will play a role in the game, even if that's the last half an hour. And we saw in that second leg uh, in the semi, not only did he put in the ball that the the, the Ty was one with, but he also put the ball on Tom Lees' head, who put the ball away and scored, and it was, it was disallowed for for a foul. In the in the cup game between these two, Sinani was the one that dropped it onto the head of Lees as well. So he's perfectly capable of whipping in a good delivery. Exactly. Uh, so Lees to, uh, at odds against to to basically have any kind of shot, and that can even mean so long as it hits him on the head and he's trying to head it a goal, it can go forty five yards wide and it still counts. So um, yeah, thirteen to ten, Tom Lees. Uh, to have a shot in the game is my third pick. I'd go if I had to have a nap. I'd probably give it Lee's. Give it Lee's. Okay. I've only got one betting pick. That's partly because I picked Huddersfield to win the playoffs at three to one on the playoff preview. So, um, everything that I said worked out in the sense that I was just confident they'd make Wembley, uh, and I would I would feel pretty happy to be on them uh, if they did so against either Sheffield United or against Nottingham Forest. Now. It wasn't an easy win against Luton Town in the semi-finals. Don't get me wrong, but I'm happy to be here. Uh, I don't need, therefore, to be backing Huddersfield. I certainly won't be backing Nottingham Forest. I don't really think there's much point in doing that. I understand that Forest have the highest ceiling. I think at their best, they're better than Huddersfield's best. But how often do teams play at their best in these games? Does does the occasion really allow it? We shall see. I think that Huddersfield might have the higher floor. I think Forest. On occasion, in the last few weeks, in particular games against Bournemouth in the regular season and Sheffield United in the playoffs, have had extended spells, a whole half in fact, where they've looked a little ragged, where they've lacked a bit of composure. And that's not to say that Huddersfield are the perfect team, but I haven't seen that sort of performance from them that I can think of over the last few months. They have been even when they haven't been at their best, very composed and very controlled. So I think Forest higher ceiling, lower floor. I think if Forest get the first goal, Huddersfield will struggle to get back into it. So I really like your minus one pick. Um, if I imagine a Forest win, that's how I see it happening. So I, I think that's excellent. But the longer it's nil-nil, the happier I will be to be on Huddersfield pre-playoffs. They are, I think, harder to beat than Forest. I think the, the stats back that up since the start of December Two defeats in 28 games for Huddersfield. Forest have lost six games in that time. Uh, but Forest have won more games. So Forest have won more games. Huddersfield have lost fewer games. I think it sums it up brilliantly what I'm trying to say. And I just wonder if there's something to them having that that better personality and tight games in the last few weeks. We shall see. They've won big games against Borough, against Fulham, where the game plan has been perfect and executed perfectly. And they've defended their leads brilliantly. And actually, they've looked to extend them as well, particularly against Borough. The second leg against Luton, yes, they had a tough time in the first half, but they got back on top of things. They won the game ultimately. Um, we'll see. The, the one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, I have um, Huddersfield Examiner's excellent local coverage to thank here. They have an insane amount of playoff final experience, Huddersfield, for whatever that is worth. And I don't know. 
Lee Nichols, Tom Lees, Jonathan Hogg, Jordan Rhodes, Danny Ward, Harry Toffolo, Naby Sarr and Ollie Turton have all played in playoff finals in the EFL. Sorber Thomas, Sinani and Pieper have all played in playoff finals outside the EFL in the National League or abroad. Only Brennan Johnson of Nottingham Forest has played in an EFL playoff final. That was last season's uh, playoff final defeat, Lincoln against Blackpool. So all of this could be absolute hot air, but part of the fun is the preview, is the research, is the presenting of information and trying to work out what's relevant and trying to put it all together and work out what you think might happen. Uh, I'm so excited about this game. I'm happy to be on Huddersfield outright. I just have one more bet to add. And there was a moment where I thought you were going to say it, but you didn't quite. You brought up the Spence versus Toffolo matchup. Jed. And you've gone Jed Spence, and I'm going Harry Toffolo. Toffman. First, last, and any time goal scorer. He's 17 to 1 to score first. He's 9 to 1 to score any time with the Betfair Sportsbook. I'm putting half a point on him to score first, half a point on him to score last, and one point uh, on the 9 to 1 anytime. So two points total for me for this pick. From the start of April to now, he scored five goals. That's the most for Huddersfield. He's taken the third most shots in that time. Looked at the average touch map in the semi-finals. He's basically the player that gets furthest forward most regularly because neither of their strikers are that comfortable running in behind. Neither of their attacking midfielders are that comfortable running in behind. He's the one that's given license to make penetrative runs. It's very clear over the last few weeks that while they've sort of tightened up a little elsewhere and clogged up a little bit elsewhere, Corbran has released Toffolo and it's working really well. Now... His opposite man, Jed Spence, is going to cause him a lot of problems, no doubt, defensively. But Jed Spence is not currently known for his defensive work or his defensive appetite. So I'm hoping here for a tiny moment, a lapse of concentration, and Toffolo will get on his bike. We saw it in the first leg against Luton, setting up the goal. He absolutely motored past James Bree, motored into midfield and caused problems for Luton, setting up the goal for Sinani. His goal against Barnsley live on Sky a few weeks ago is a good example of what I might see happening here. Uh, cross from the right and Toffolo just just ghosting in at the back stick, beating Spence to the ball and scoring. But equally, his goal against Bristol City, where he carried it inside, created the chance for himself and finished. He had a very similar chance in the second leg against Luton as well. Running from outside to in, those central runs, which are really hard to track for Spence uh, and, and harder still for, for the midfielders, defenders to track because they've got their own men to worry about. Toffolo in recent times has shown a real goal threat and he goes up for set plays as well. He's not the target for them, for sure. That's Lease, that's Russell. But ball's headed back across goal. Toffolo could be there to tap in as he did a couple of weeks ago as well. Uh, so Toffolo is my pick here to score first at 17-1, to last at 17-1 to and any time at 9-1. to I suppose the absolute dream for me would be a Huddersfield 1-0 win with a Toffolo goal. I'd win all three goals <laughs> picks. I'd win my 3-1 to outright as well. Um, but Mostly, I'm just looking forward to this one as a neutral. Can't wait for it. It's going to be amazing. Uh, don't forget- I reckon 3-1 three, three, Forest, Toffolo scores last off uh, Lee's rebounded header. <laughs> yeah, right, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be amazing. And, and Spence getting a goal or an assist. Yeah, obviously. Uh, don't forget, Betfair have no cash-out suspensions on match odds for all EFL games. That's applicable to singles and to multiples as well. Uh, let's move on to Mansfield against Port Vale. This is going to be a cracking game. Uh, no lack of narrative here as well. Daryl Clark, the Port Vale manager, uh, is back in the dugout following compassionate leave. More specifically to this match, he is Mansfield born and bred. He came through as, as a player at Mansfield, played a lot of games for Mansfield. Uh, they also have a few players, Port Vale, that used to play for Mansfield. Uh, Charlesley being one of them, someone else as well. Benning, I think it is, uh, off the top of my head. And George, two very well-matched teams. 
who played two entertaining games against each other in the regular season. A one-all draw in October, um, where Mansfield dominated on balance of play. Conlon scored a free kick for Vale. He's out of this one through injury, hasn't played for months. Uh, Lapsley was on the score sheet for Mansfield, and don't think he's that likely to pay a part either. He's kind of um, fallen out of favour with Clough as well. Maybe the more relevant game is the 3-1 win to Port Vale in mid-March, where you'd be wrong to focus on just the result. This game was absolutely on a knife edge at one all until Kean Harris came off the bench to score two against some tired Mansfield legs. You might remember they had to play a ton of games in the last few months of the season. But they'll both be fresh here, George, and I think they're both capable of hurting each other. This is a, a really interesting match. It's really interesting. I mean, it's a very difficult match to preview because, you know, the bookies have the two of them um, basically pick them to go up five to six to the pair, basically the same price to win the game in 90 minutes as you'd expect. And, you know, before we get into the betting side of things, it's very easy to see why. It's very hard to split these two sides. You look at the dugout, you've got um, a, a Nigel Clough who shouldn't probably be managing in League Two based on his, on his career in the dugout. We know how effective he is and we know that when he gets a team into a winning groove, they're very, very hard to stop. And that's exactly what he's done over the last six months. And then you've got Daryl Clark, whose record is a bit patchier. But again, when things are going well, and you definitely feel like he's a manager who, you know, when things fall into place and there is a lot at stake, that's when he really comes into his own, as was seen by those back-to-back promotions and the good job he did with Bristol Rovers in League One as well. And it feels like both teams come into this riding the, the crest of that wave. Uh, it's a very emotional wave for, for Daryl Clark, not just because of his allegiances to the opposition, as you mentioned, but also because of the... Um, difficulties he's had in his personal life this season which meant that he took some time away uh, I think you could see from his reaction um, after the penalty shootout against Swindon that this matters a lot to him um, for obvious reasons you know when you've been through a difficult time I think success is going to is gonna hit home a bit harder and also you know if, if he's the one who's disappointed come Saturday evening I'm sure that's going to be very very difficult for him to, to process um, but he's someone who I you know there are certain managers who I would have in my mind is when things get emotional, maybe uh, Oxford's manager being one of them, it's not necessarily a particularly good thing. But I think in the case of Daryl Clark, it is. You know, He's got a track record of getting over the line in these big games. Uh, it was interesting to see some, you know, you mentioned there are a couple of players that have fallen out of favour with, with Nigel Clough. And, and we've seen uh, in the second leg some interesting tweaks that he made to the side at Cobblers. We saw Drunjo O'Toole, who's been playing centre-back for pretty much the whole season, or at least the second half of the season, pushed up into midfield. Uh, Matty Longstaff dropped to the bench, who's been very, very good and been a good goal-scoring outlet for them. Uh, didn't even come off the bench in that game as well, Perch playing centre-midfield in the back four. It, you know, hopefully you're going to, because I want to hear it, you're going to do your team news spiel again, because I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to predict the team for Mansfield at all. I think with Vale, we have a better understanding about what we're going to get from them. And in James Wilson, they've got a, a very good striker who comes into this in red-hot form as well, which is important. But I mentioned talking about the championship game that, you know, my first thought with this match immediately was was to was to basically get against goals. And I might still be doing that. But actually, these are two sides who who tend to see pretty high-volume uh, games in terms of goals. You know, the Mansfield's defensive record isn't particularly good in recent weeks, nor is Port Vale's. We've seen plenty of kind of score draws between these sides, well, with these sides against other teams over the last couple of months and throughout the season as well. So, I mean, as a neutral, I'm very much hoping that this does descend into that. Two sides who are better when they're attacking. Um, but then I fall into this this trap before and maybe it will just be nil-nil. <laughs> so I will do some team news. And it, it, there's a bit more mystery to, to both teams, I think, than 
in the previous game. Port Vale, less so than Mansfield. I'll start with them. Now, against Swindon in the second leg, Vale were chasing the tie down 2-1 from the first leg. And very specifically, the tweak that Clark made, which was of interest, was that James Gibbons, who is a local lad who's come through the system, is now an established, very impressive player for them, a very versatile player. He's naturally a right back or a right wing back. He's a right footer who plays as a full back or wing back, I'd say. In the first leg, he played left wing back because of Hussey's injury, and it didn't look great. The, the, the moves that went down the left side were inevitably being funneled back inside because Gibbons wasn't that comfortable going outside. In the second leg, Gibbons played right sided centre back. Um, Aaron Martin got benched. Now, you'll know Martin from his Oxford days. He's a very experienced. Um, big centre half he's not particularly quick uh, Gibbons much more mobile he played right centre back Smith in the centre and Connor Hall left centre back so for me the first call is how much did Daryl Clark think that worked how much do they lose defensively if Gibbons plays centre back and Martin is on the bench and they certainly get more going forward because Mal Benning played left wing back as Mansfield fans well know he's a very good attacking left back left wing back at this level he can carry the ball well he can deliver it fairly well they've got Worrell as the right wing back whose delivery is excellent albeit his physicality uh, is not great so that's the big question for me will Gibbons play centre back with Martin on the bench or will Martin come back in here to form the back three that was regular back three in the in the regular season of Smith, of Martin and of Hall? In which case, does Gibbons get benched or do you find a spot for him on the left? I don't know. I would go with Gibbons, right-sided centre-back and Martin on the bench personally. A, because I watched some extended highlights of a game between these two teams earlier in the season where Reese Oates got Aaron Martin isolated in space and he looked like he could have run the 100 metres four times quicker than Aaron Martin. So I would personally go with Gibbons myself. Uh, he's clearly a very popular player as well. Um, so I think he might stick with that. But Gibbons hasn't played a lot of centre-back. He's not a natural centre-back. Uh, be an interesting decision for Clark to make. I think that Vale might be quite cautious because of the threat of Reese Oates. They simply do not have a similar threat, as I mentioned quite a lot after that first leg. Um, the legs, the mobility in behind, running the channels... In transition, Oates is a big threat. Um, Port Vale don't have that in the same way. So I'd expect Stone to play in goal. Uh, Centre-backs of Smith, Hall and either Gibbons or Martin. Uh, Wing-backs of Worrell and then either Benning or Gibbons. Chris Hussey, left wing-back. People will know from his Cheltenham days, he missed both of the playoff semi-finals. So I can't imagine him coming straight back in here. The midfield's where it's most interesting for both teams. Um, uh, which I'll get into onto in a second. And up front, Wilson is nailed on to start. He's in great form, as you say. And then the other striker, while well, James Proctor missed the last game with a hip injury, seems unlikely he'd come straight back in and start. Uh, so it's between Ryan Edmondson and Kean Harrett, who both started a game each in the semi-finals. Neither hugely convinced with their performances, to be honest. I think Harrett is quite dangerous off the bench. I think he's a kind of short bursts player. So I think Edmondson might start play an hour and then Harrit off the bench perhaps to try and score the winner as he did uh, when these two teams met a couple of months ago. As for Mansfield, yeah, uh, Bishop will play in goal and outside of that it's pretty difficult. The left back will certainly be McLaughlin, been one of the best players in League Two this season, he's excellent. Uh, the right back will be Perch or Hewitt and the centre back will be certainly Hawkins, um, used to be a striker, now a centre back which is always fun and then probably O'Toole but maybe Perch. I mean, honestly, Clough has got so many options and he's not averse to switching it up. The midfield is where it's almost impossible. He's got like seven or eight good options here. I think he'd be more likely to play like he did in the first leg uh, where the game was you know, starting at nil-nil than he was defending a league in the second leg, lead rather. So I'm going to go Maris uh, 
with Longstaff and Quinn either side of him. Um, Jamie Murphy in a kind of fluid 10 role, drifting out wide and combining with the fullbacks. And Bowery and Oates up front, who are both uh, quite nice mobile options. Uh, I think... A couple of different options for Clough. Some of the choices lean towards attack, guile, invention. The likes of Jamie Murphy and Matty Longstaff, who started the first legs, uh, the, the first leg. Or he could go pure experience and grit. Uh, the likes of Kieran Wallace, Lucas Aikins, who started that second leg. Um, kind of warrior types who, who you can probably rely on. Probably the classic higher floor, but maybe lower ceiling type approach. Um, the left side for Mansfield's the, the strongest bit. Quinn and War- uh, Quinn and McLaughlin, I should say, combining down the left side. Murphy drifting out wide as well. Really, really dangerous for Vale. They've got to be switched on. And Worrell as the right wing back, not known for his defensive um, reliability. I'd say that could be a big area of concern for Vale. Uh, and Oates' speed, as I mentioned, um, is going to be big. I also think Mansfield based on the semi-finals that I watched, I think they look after the ball a bit better. I think they've got a few more ideas in the final third. It's a huge midfield battle because this is where they're both really strong. Uh, vale will play Pet, Garrity and one of Charles Lee or Taylor. And Mansfield, as I said, have got tons of options. Um, and up front, those strikers, Oates versus Wilson, has to be a big narrative here. Um, they both scored, George, 0.28 goals per 90 in the league this season um, ex- very very similar numbers throughout the campaign um, neither of them actually racked up a ton of goals overall but both a big threat I would say so um, lots to be excited about um, tell me anything else you think is relevant to talk about this game and then maybe move on to any betting picks that you have for it I think you've covered it off mate there's nothing else really to say um, but in terms of, of the picks as I mentioned torn here between looking at two sides where um, goals are normally a plenty and, and thinking about the occasion and wondering which way to go and I'm sticking with experience sticking with with what I know and, and I'm going to look to get against this being in any way um, a high goal scoring affair um, I'm backing both teams to score no at 20 to 23 backing under 0.5 first half goals so basically um Nil-nil at halftime is, is six to four. I mean, it's a bit bigger, thirty-one to twenty, and nil-nil at thirteen to two. Um, you know, I, I, clearly with it with an early goal. I mean, with an early goal, half of those are lost anyway. But with an early goal, things could change. But I, I do think that it will be pretty cagey. And even it was significant to me that having gone one-nil up very early, the second look against Swindon, up against a side with very little in terms of kind of defensive um, defensive-minded players apart from the centre backs. For Swindon, uh, the game became pretty nervy, and even though there, there was goalmouth action and it clearly could, there could have been more goals in it, it was telling to me that the Port Vale didn't really kind of uh, go through the gears and, and look to punish Swindon, and, and there were no more goals for the for the following 116 minutes. Um, so the nap, I guess, probably is under 0.5 goals at 31 to 20, but I'm also keen on BTTS no, and then and then the nil nil draw at 13 to two. Well, as has been the case, George, in the League Two playoffs, from the moment we started talking about them and previewing them, we are up against each other. And there's a few different reasons for this. Now, you won the battle, the Mansfield versus Northampton battle. Congratulations. Thank you. In the playoff preview show, you picked Mansfield promotion outright at 11 to 4, and I picked Port Vale promotion at 5 to 2. So one of us is guaranteed (laughs) to have the winner here. We are up against each other once more. As you might have been able to tell by my sort of going round the houses there and previewing this game overall, weighing it all up, having thought about it a lot, having watched the games that they played against each other, albeit having picked Vale to win the playoffs, 
I'm not a very confident Port Vale backer heading into this, I would suggest. I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to get with Mansfield. I don't think that's worth doing because I've got money down on Vale, but I'm not feeling that confident. I have to be honest with you. But I'm also against you because I'm picking both teams to score at 1.9. Mm-hmm. So we are, again, one of us is sure to be a winner and one of us sure to be a loser. I think that the alchemy of this match and these teams means that they will have spells where they can hurt each other. I think Mansfield are just a very good attacking team when they have a bit of possession. And I think that they are less strong, albeit they were excellent defensively in the second half, less strong defensively. And I think Vale can hurt them. So I don't necessarily see some like crazy open game with tons and tons of open play chances. But I think over 90, 95 minutes, little spells here and there i think both teams can can get a goal so you can have a one or draw that isn't like this crazy open back and forth game and that's i guess kind of what i'm thinking here and i wanted to pick a goal scorer as well so um at first i was thinking randomly about something that chris wilder said to us uh at bournemouth on opening day that's a serious name drop sorry (laughs) when west brom were playing a back three and bournemouth scored from a, a cut back to the edge of the box and he said that is the kryptonite for a back three. When the ball is in the byline or close to it, down down one of the sides, the little cutback because you've got the line of three centre-backs kind of defending the six-yard box. And if your centre midfielders haven't got back in time, there's always going to be a gap between the centre mids and the centre-backs. And that's where the opposition attacking midfielders tend to have some joy or a striker that, that drops off a bit and peels back towards the, cent- uh, the penalty spot. So at first I was thinking about that and I thought, yeah, Port Vale are playing a back three. Mansfield are going to work it down the sides, particularly with McLaughlin. And they've got a ton of attacking midfield options arriving late into the box. Longstaff came to mind. He's shown a real knack for that this season. I don't think, sorry, I don't know if Longstaff is going to start this game because of the options that Clough has. And he's a bit short for me at 4.5. So I thought I was going Longstaff, but I'm leaving him alone. I'm going to go with Reese Oates anytime at 3-1 to one with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, for me, the most likely goal scorer in the game. Very marginal against Wilson, as I say. They've got very similar stats. I just think he's more of a threat, particularly in that famously big Wembley pitch. Whether it's actually big or not, I don't know, but it feels big. <laughs> and with space to move into, Oates is a better player than, than Wilson, a bigger threat than Wilson. can get a lot of shots off as well. Uh, just a player that I like a lot. I think I've picked him a couple of times this season already. At 3-1, to one, I'm hoping he's going to uh, finish the season on a pleasant note for me. Uh, the bet builder, if you prefer to do that, BTTS, yes, and Oates, anytime is 5.16 with the Betfair Sportsbook. I'm personally just going for the singles, um, but if you do bet £10 on Akers or Bet Builders with the Betfair Sportsbook, you do get a £2 free bet to use on Akers or Bet Builders. Make sure you check the T's and C's on site. So just, if you wouldn't mind listing, recapping your picks from across the two games, George. Uh, the nap is Tom Lee's to have a shot in the game at 13-10 to 10 in the championship. Uh, Forest minus one, seven to two, and nine to two. Jed Spence to get a goal or an assist in the game, uh, in the championship, and then in League Two, uh, the nap is under 0.5 first half goals, so nil nil at half time at 31 to 20. BTTS no at 20 to 23, and no goals, no goals, sir. 13 to two. For me, last picks of the season uh, in the championship. Just one, Harry Toffolo. Half a point on him to score first and last at 17 to 1 each. 
and one point on him to score anytime at nine to one with the Betfair Sportsbook. My nap, a two point play, is both teams to score yes at 1.9 in Mansfield against Port Vale on Saturday. Uh, and the goal scorer in that game is Reese Oates anytime with the Betfair Sportsbook at three to one. So that's it. The last betting pod of the season also a preview of two games that we are incredibly excited about we hope you've enjoyed listening to this let us know what you think about these two games and your picks at ntt20 pod on twitter a huge thanks to betfair for their support of this podcast we have had the most wonderful year of podding uh, and a large part of that is down to their support uh, from the very very start of it Uh, We have one more episode left this season, so please see it through with us. A couple of playoff finals between now and Sunday night, which is when it will be released, but you can catch us then for the debrief. Have a great weekend. Enjoy these games, guys. George and I will certainly be doing so. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at NTT20pod. There might be some Insta content, at NTT20pod on there, if that's your thing, or you can be a part of the NTT20 squad. Uh, join using the link in the description that's where we'll be posting some extra behind the scenes stuff make sure you're part of it and we hope to see you there thank you so much for listening enjoy the weekend and go well